Dead in marriage. Dead in life. Dead in job. Dead inside. Thanks for joining us today. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. We're so grateful for you guys. Let's also give it up for our prison campuses as well. We love you guys. So thankful for you. It's great to be here in God's house. And today we're talking about a subject that I think that many people can relate to. We're talking about work today a little bit. You're saying, man, it's my Sunday. I want a break. I don't want to talk about work. But we all deal with work in most of our working lives. Many people are unhappy, so we want to talk about that today. So pull out your notes, if you will. We're talking in a new series that we've been doing called Stop Walking Dead. And today we're talking about that dead-end job. And so we're going to unpack that today. Let's say our mission statement together, first of all, though. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. Now look, we want you guys to get into the service, okay? So check out this video. Receive your prophecy. Receive your prophecy. Wow. Wow. That's good. Isn't that great? Okay. Okay, she's not looking at me. That's ridiculous. But Pastor no, Bill is killing is it today. It's like he's talking right to me. So what can you do with you? When he gets to his right? last point, it's going to be amazing. God can do something great with you. you Everyone's going to cheer, give lots of great feedback. Pastors great need that. He, but wait, what if they don't cheer? He won't know we loved it. And so the bottom line is he might not even think it was very good at all. Pastor Bill can't get discouraged. Then who's going to preach? If we don't cheer, is Pastor Bill going to stop preaching? To become a Christian, salvation, there's all kinds of words for it. We can't let that happen. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. No need to panic. required for you to come to life. Everything If everybody will cheer at the same time, yeah, that would do it. Spiritually, is Jesus, guys. But how do we get everyone to clap at once? I can't wait for somebody else to clap. Oh, I need to do it. It's going to be me. I can do it. I'll save the whole church. I can do it. Okay. Come on, Carl. You can do this. Church needs you. Pastor Bill needs you. You can do this. Okay. Focus. Control. Not a big deal. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Okay. Here we go. Prophets in your life have spoken over you. And by prophet, I mean those teachers, those coaches. He's raising his voice a little bit. He's given a really good point. Everyone really likes it. Just give me a little bit more. Come on, here it comes. When you ignore what they're saying, you are pushing yes. away the destiny and will of God in your life. It's time to receive what they said about you. And let me be the first to start as a prophet to say that God's going to... Yeah! 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 Yes! Yes! Yeah! I need your help. Help me out. 
Thank you. <laughs> now let's talk about your horrible job. So, I want to talk about that dead-end job that you're frustrated with. I mean, we, we all have had that job. Maybe you're in that right now. No one that works for me should be raising their hand right now, by the way. But no, it's easy for people to feel that way. So what do you do when you feel like you're in a dead-end job? You're like, oh, I just hate going to work. It's so difficult. This is what a dead-end job looks like, by the way. Let me just say what a dead-end job looks like. First thing is bad pay. Would you write that down? It's bad pay. You feel like, man, why am I even here? I'm not even getting paid enough. I can hardly pay my bills. You know what job stands for, right? Just over broke. That's what they pay you, right? You're like, well, I'm barely making it here, right? Scripture says this in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 7. People spend their lives scratching for food, but they never seem to have enough. You ever felt that way? Like, man, I'm busting my butt and I'm barely making it, right? And so that's very common for people to feel that way. Here's another thing about bad, dead-end jobs is long hours. You feel like you're always working. Man, I'm always there. I'm having to do a double shift. I'm working the weekends. I'm working late into the night. I'm having to get up early. I'm working through lunch. You just feel like you're always Always going. It says in Psalms 30, verse 1, I am weary, O God, I am weary and worn out. And the number one way that you know you may have a dead-end job is an abusive boss. You ever had someone that's just difficult to work with? Again, no one should my staff should be raising their hands right now. <laughs> right? But it's true. People feel like they have an abusive boss. Do you know David had an abusive boss? Saul was his boss. He was the king of Israel. It even said in Scripture that God's anointing was on him, and he was still abusive. So don't think for any second that, oh, well, my boss, if I just work for a Christian boss, it would all be great. Not necessarily, because Saul was supposed to be a man of God. He was not walking with God, but God's anointing was still on him. He was still the king of Israel. And yet, you know what Saul did? Saul literally threw a spear at David multiple times, tried to kill him. Can you imagine that? It says in Scripture, it says, And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. He physically assaulted David. It's crazy. I had a boss one time throw me against the car. I'm not kidding. And I was working for a church at the time. So don't think that just because, oh, I'm working for Christians, then it's all going to be good. Not necessarily. And so maybe you have an abusive boss situation, or maybe they're just an egomaniac, and it's all about them. And, you know, every time you do the work, they take all the credit for it, you know, and, and you get frustrated, right? They're getting bonuses off of your work, you know, that kind of thing. And so it can be very, very frustrating. Someone once told me, the main distinction between a boss and the pope is the pope only expects you to kiss his ring. I'll give it a second. You know, it's a real deal though, right? I mean, you're like, man, my boss is driving me crazy. I heard about this guy. He owned a company and they had a really good year. And so he brought all his employees in and said, I just want to say, man, great job, guys. We had a record-breaking, profitable year. And I'm so proud of you because of all the work you've done. I'm passing out right now checks to everyone for $10,000 each. The place goes nuts. You're like, oh, this is amazing. Then he gets up and he says, and by the way, if you do it again next year, I'm going to come back and sign all those checks. Maybe you've had a boss like that, right? You're like, really? Really? Is it ever going to happen for me, right? And so maybe you feel like you're in a dead-end job and it's just not going anywhere. You know, I'm making light of this, but the truth is, is you may, this may be a really difficult moment for you. I mean, you may think, Pastor, I know what you're saying, but it's real for me. Like, this is not just a joke. I, I'm going crazy at work. I just, I hate what I do. It's hard to get up in the morning. I understand that. It can be very painful. But let me give, let me give you some stats. These are, these are real stats. 71% of workers are not engaged or actively disengaged from their work. 71%. Basically, just barely showing up. 82% of employees don't trust their bosses to tell them the truth. 
82%. And by the way, if you work for the government, it's 87%. That's scary. 70% of U.S. employees hate their jobs. 70% of us. Up to one-third of all current employees of all companies in the United States are currently secretly looking for another job. One-third. Man, you, it's hard to get anything done if one-third of the people there are secretly going to salary.com and monster.com and all these other places trying to find another job the whole time. And by the way, this means every place, which means that you may be secretly dreaming about working for another company, but the people at the company you're dreaming of, one-third of them want to leave that company. So think about that. And so people want to move on. 52% of U.S. employees are not satisfied with their job. Over half of us don't like what we do. No wonder people are so discouraged when it comes to work and they feel like they're in a dead-end job. You know, the problem is, though, is that the most addictive thing in the entire world is a paycheck. And so people oftentimes say, I'm really, honestly, I'm only where I'm at because I'm getting paid. Because I'm making money. That's the only reason I'm there. And, and that's fine to, to work for someone that, that pays you. I recommend that, by the way. If you're going to go to work, I recommend you getting paid. That, that'll help you. But the truth is, is that if that's the only reason you're doing it, you're going to find, you're going to find yourself pretty unhappy. Now, I, I don't want to sit here and make this message about living your purpose and you should do what you love to do every day. I think it's great if you can. But by and large, all of us, at least for a portion of our job, are going to have to do some things we don't like to do. I mean, this is also, again, why you're paid, because if everyone just got to do what they love to do all the time, then, you know, there'd be a, a very large excess of actors and actresses and athletes only, right? The truth is, is that, is that we, we oftentimes have to do things that you're doing it because you get paid. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can learn to love what you do. You can learn to find the benefits in it. So I'm not trying to say that everyone should just quit their job because they're not happy with where they work. D the truth is, if we all quit our job because we weren't happy with it, again, over 52% of us would not be where we are now. Well, you, you wouldn't have a paycheck. So I don't think that's the answer. I don't think the answer is to always be looking for another job either. You know, not only am I a pastor, but I also happen to employ people. And so I can tell you that, you know, when we get a resume in and it looks like a patch quilt and there's like five different jobs in the last six years, we set that aside. Because that tells me right there that they've not learned to be happy where they are, always looking for something else instead. And that's just, that's no way to live. One of the biggest secrets I can tell you about success that I do know for a fact, and, and this is not only proven out in what, in what I've seen in our own organization, but in other people as well, is that people that succeed wherever they are, stay. They don't move on. They understand that you cannot rise inside the walls of an organization unless you are faithful to that organization. So the answer to your next you know, level of happiness is not to move jobs. I don't believe that. Now, I'm not trying to say that God may not open the door for you, and if that's from the Lord, great. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I see people just moving over and over and over again, that's not the answer. We, we live in a culture now that says, if you're not happy with, with what you're doing, just leave it. But that means that, that, that on any given day, you'd be getting divorced. On any given day, you'd be leaving your job, leaving your community, leaving your country. Even I always laugh every time there's a political cycle when it's election time. People tweet out and people post this and people say this publicly. If so-and-so becomes president, I'm leaving our country. And I'm always disappointed that they don't fulfill that later. <laughs> you can pick your president, by the way. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to say, if you're happy with your country based on who's the president, then on any given moment, you're not going to be happy. About half the time, you'll like our country then. You can't decide that this is a great country because of who's in office. Does that make sense? You can't decide whether you're going to stay with your, with your company because of who's your boss in this moment. Because that's going to change. Oh, probably over and over again. 
The truth is, is that we have to learn instead to realize that there's no such thing as a dead-end job. There's just a dead-end attitude. And if you change your attitude, it changes everything. So what I want to do is give you three simple principles of how we can flip the switch and make you come alive again. And so let's, let's learn how we can do that. Just like a light bulb, you flip the switch and bam, it comes on. Let's help you turn on again at work. Get excited about what you do. And so how is that possible? First of all, remember that, that the, the job that you have that you hate, you used to dream about having. Remember when you prayed? Remember you thought it was a miracle when you got that job that you're complaining about now? Right? We have to go back and remember that we used to love this. We, we were excited to show up. And so we've got to remember that. So three simple ways that you can flip the switch and get excited about what you do again. The first thing I want to tell you, this is really important. If you're miserable at work, if you're super unhappy, if you're going crazy, if you're really relating to what I'm talking about right now, and you're like, oh, I'm so unhappy. My boss is such a jerk. It's so difficult. The hours are horrible. The pay's terrible. It's horrible. If you really sincerely feel that way, the first thing you need to know is this. Number one, would you remember this? Please shut your mouth. <laughs> and let me tell you why. You're probably going to lose your job if you don't. Did you hear that? I'm trying to save you right now. If you're unhappy at your work and we all go through seasons of that, don't go talking that up. That will not go well for you. I'm just telling you right now, you can't do that. It damages you, it damages others. I don't know any organization that can take a constantly negative person for very long. So you just need to know that's a big deal. Look what it says in James 1.19. It says, remember this, my dear friends, everyone must be quick to listen but slow to speak, slow to become angry. Human anger does not achieve God's righteous purpose. You're not helping yourself out by popping off at the mouth of, about your complaints, about your boss, about your work, about what you do. Be really careful there. Romans 5, 3 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They can help us learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character in us. You know, the problem with patience takes a long time to get it. That's the thing about patience. That's how you get patience. It takes a long time, right? Turn to the first section right now and say, you're helping me with my patience. <laughs> Sometimes people make you patient because they drive you crazy, right? You got to deal with them, right? No, the, the truth is, is though, the, the problem is in our society in this area in particular is that we want the corner office right away. We want the promotion the next, the next month that we get there, right? We, we want it to happen right away. We want all the things to happen. We barely got out of training, and yet we want to become the boss. And so you've got to learn to stay faithful in one place a long time. When pastors ask me about our church, I mean, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? You know, God's really blessed your, your ministry. And I always tell them, well, it's just a quick 20 years. Just a quick 20 years. We forget, we, we got to have staying power at whatever it is that we do. And so look what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always. Uh, I'm sorry, that must be a typo in the Bible. There's no way it could say that. I'm sure they meant rejoice if you make good money. Rejoice if your boss is really nice to you. Rejoice if you win the award. Rejoice if you got the bonus. It doesn't say that. It says rejoice when? Always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you to rejoice in whatever you're in right now. You may say, I don't like my job. Rejoice in your unhappy job. So, <laughs> well, how can I get happy? Start with rejoicing. So, in fact, I want to encourage you with this. Number one, don't snap or complain. Instead, rejoice. Don't snap. Don't lose it. Don't go, don't go let your boss know what you think of him or her. That's not going to help you. Instead, rejoice. And so I wanna, I wanna, let's work on this right now. I want to ask you right now to make a gratitude list. What are some things you're grateful for about your current job? Not about the job you want, about the job you have 
What are, you, what are you happy about? Do you have air conditioning at your job? Congratulations, write that down. Some people don't. <laughs> Do you get paid for your job? You're like, everyone gets paid for the job. No, not necessarily. There's people that don't. There are interns at your work that do not get paid. They are there working just as hard as you for the hope to get a job. Hopefully one day I'll be paid for this. Think about that. And many of them have a better attitude and they're not making anything. And yet we complain. So just remember that. Also remember that your current job is probably paying you more today than they paid you last year or the year before that or the last job. So you're probably making more than you've ever made before in your life. The average American is always making more, typically, unless you're in sales where there's a little bit of ebb and flow. Most people are currently making more than they made previously. Do you know how nice it is to be in a growing economy that that is typically the truth for most of us? Wow, what a blessing that we continually raise our our level of income. Most people don't do that. Many places in the world today have one level income and it never goes up. In fact, oftentimes it goes down or it stays the same while inflation goes crazy, which means what you're earning is worth less year by year. So we really are a blessed nation. In fact, let me just give you an example. Some of you right now, well, I'm an engineer, so engineers make you know, $80,000 a year, $100,000, depends on how old you are and how long you've been at it. But let's say you're making 80 grand from being an engineer. Right now, there's someone with your same skill set and your same degree, with your same knowledge base and your same ability, but they just happen to be an engineer in Afghanistan, so they're making one-fourth of what you're making just because of where they live. So just because you're an American, you make more. Think about that. Wow. What a blessing that is, right? So we live in, in, in an incredible economy. There are people that at the highest level of their organization are earning less than you do at the lowest end of your organization just because of the country they're in. That's how blessed we are. Did you know if you have a car, did you know just by owning a car, you are in the top 6% wealth earners in the world? Top 6%. Just because you own the car. Don't get me started if you own two. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy wealth. And so the reality is that we are a blessed people. We we need to make a gratitude list and just be grateful. Maybe you're grateful for your boss. Maybe you get along well with your boss. Maybe you're grateful for a coworker that you really like, that you have a lot of fun with. Maybe you find yourself laughing at work. That's very rare. You should be listing that as something to say, I'm grateful that I like what I do. I'm grateful that I get to do even part of the time something I want to do. Now, we all have things about our jobs we don't like. Everyone has to do things we don't like, too. Not everyone just gets to do only what they love. We all have things, too, we don't like. But if you get to do anything that you remotely like, you should be happy about that. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. So I want to encourage you to find the positive in what you do and and list and make a gratitude list. Hey, I want to stop real quick and tell you next week, don't miss the message. We're talking about how to turn your dead-end marriage or relationship around. And next week, the principle always works. I'm going to teach you. There's no way. There's no way it always works. Always works. It really does. Join us next week. You say, that's a big promise. I know it is. Join us next week for this. It's a simple principle. It always works. Maybe even going to counseling for a long time. I'm all for counseling, but I'm a lot cheaper. And so be sure to be here next week. (laughs) I got a simple principle. We're going to help you apply to your life. I'm not saying cancel your counselor. That's great to do that too. But you know, I, I will tell you, you know, some of you right now are like, pastor, we've already got lawyers involved. You know what? Uh, please put that on hold and at least come next week. Give us a shot. I believe we can teach you some principles that can completely turn your marriage around, completely turn your relationship around, and not, not later, but now turn around. So be sure to be here next week and invite someone back to come to church with you. I want to encourage you to be here for that. Very, very excited about next week's message. Someone once said, are you feeling unmotivated at work? Then here's what you got to do. Give 100% at work. 12% on Mondays, 23% on Tuesdays, 40% on Wednesdays. <laughs> 
20% on Thursday. Yeah, you get the point. <laughs> Many people just don't give their best. And they wonder why they're not getting ahead. And so the, number two, would you write this down? We need to just do our best. If you're unhappy with your work life, ask yourself the question, am I really giving it my best? The average person is really not pouring it all in at work. God will reward you, by the way, even when the company doesn't. Did you know that? Even when the company doesn't reward you, the marketplace will, the Lord will, even if the marketplace doesn't. Time and again we see in Scripture where people were working hard and they were not being recognized for what they were doing, and then God said, I'm going to promote you, Joseph. I don't care if they don't promote you. I'll promote you, right? I'll promote you, David, even when your boss literally wants to kill you. I will raise you up. And so the Lord is bigger than your boss. He's bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your company. And he will make sure you're promoted. In fact, I want to tell you right now, quit thinking about job security. That's over. Those days are long gone in our country. Job security is over with. Start thinking about employment security. Employment security means that you give your best and you work hard and you're constantly upgrading your skills to where you stay marketable as well. If you continue to do that, that even if your company closes its doors tomorrow, someone will want to hire you. Does that make sense? All of us are going to face a job loss at some point. Every one of us is going to face a job loss at some point. You realize a number of years ago, Peyton Manning got fired. Think about his skill level. And he got fired, but don't worry, because quickly there were multiple Learjets waiting for him to fly him to other cities to apply for quarterback positions, right? But even he got fired. Being fired or being cut doesn't mean you don't have skills. And so you still have skills, you still have abilities. And so what we're looking for today is not job security, employment security. There are entire industries that exist today that five years now won't even be here. Won't even be on the planet anymore. Why? Because technology changes and wipes things out. So if you go on job security, you'd be in a world of trouble. What if you gave your entire life to a certain company and it no longer exists now? So it can't be about that. It's about employment security. So do your best. God will reward you. Let me, just, let me ask you a question real quick, too. Just, let's get real honest for a second here about, about that job you hate. Is it that you hate your job or you just hate working? Let's just be a little more honest in here. Can we do that? Right? Oh, so frustrating. You know that 70% of people resent their bosses for asking them to do things? <laughs> what do you think they're supposed to do? They're supposed to ask you to do something. People say, well, I just go to work and I just feel so used. Right, you're used every day. That's the agreement you made, is that they use you to do certain things and then they pay you for that. It is a using relationship, the whole thing is. Like, you can't be, I'm not going to leave here and go, everyone just used me today. 10,000 people used me for a sermon. I'm so offended. I feel so cheap. That'd be ridiculous. It's what I do. I'm supposed to bring something. I mean, I'm not going to show up and be like, you're not going to believe what I did today for you. You're, gonna, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to deliver a message today. He'd be like, yeah, that's what you do right? We, we get offended when we're asked to do things, but that's what we want. You say, I'm offended because every year they ask me to do more and more stuff. Well, do you want to raise? So you expect to earn more next year than you did last year, but you don't want to do more? Do you see the problem with this equation? It's an attitude thing. We got to check our attitude. Well, but we want, to, we want to be on this fast track trajectory, you know, with, a, with an increase in influence and increase in income, but yet we don't want to bring more to the table. Is that even fair? No, it's not. So if you want a raise, add value. 
You're going to add more value to the company, to the organization. If you'll do that, do your best, then it's very fair to expect increases over time with an economy that can back it up. There's, there's things that have to be in play for all those things to come together. But if you're doing your best, then it's a fair expectation. If you're not doing your best, it's not a fair expectation. Are you, I'm just, I'm just really asking, ask yourself this question. Am I really giving it my best? Are you? And if you're not, then would you let the Holy Spirit confront you today? Before you complain, one more moment in prayer to God, God, I hate this job. God may be saying, well, don't you think I can do more with you? But if I advanced you with the same attitude and work ethic you have now, then you, 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 and I raised you, God may be saying to you, then you'd get fired. Because that job requires more of you. And you're not giving half of you now. So we've got to be all in, guys. And if you're all in, then, listen, I, my prayer for this sermon for you is that you leave here and you go to church, you go to work tomorrow, and you crush it. And you get in there and you do it. Full on. God wants to do some things through you. He will advance you, but you've got to give you rest. Let me give you some simple principles real quick. Let me just give you a couple things that I want to ask you to do this week at work and see if it doesn't immediately, immediately make an impact. First of all, find out the top producing activities that you are paid to do and double your efforts in those specific areas. Okay, well, you probably do 30 things at work, right? But there's probably five or six things that you do that are the real reason you're paid. Focus your efforts on those areas more than ever. Double your efforts in those areas, right? And if you'll do that, you'll eventually be paid more. But we've got to focus on those areas. There's a rule, there's a word for this called the 80-20 rule. I've talked about this before. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But the 80-20 rule, a guy, it's an Italian economist discovered this. He didn't create it, but he discovered it. He, he lived in Italy. He found out that 80% of the taxes were paid by 20% of the people. And he thought, I wonder if this, this mathematical equation works in other areas. Then he found out that 80% of the sales in any company were made by 20% of the people. That 80% of anything is produced by 20% of the people. Did you know that? This is a this principle. And that's fine, and that doesn't freak us out. But here's the part that will really tick you off, is that I hate to break it to you, but in your company, 80% of the profits are going to 20% of the people. Now, some of you right now are like, okay, now that makes me mad. <laughs> but they're doing 80% of the work. So why does that make you mad? See, so you can either get mad about that, or you can say, how do I get in on being in the top 20%? So let's focus on that. Let's just become so productive that you're one of the main players in your organization. You think LeBron and all the other team members are paid the same as LeBron? No, they don't score as much. They don't block as many shots. They're not bringing it like he's bringing it. So he gets paid probably, not only, I bet he, he personally probably makes 80% of the money. One guy of what all the, all the rest of the team means. I bet you anything he does. Maybe even higher, depending upon his production. I, I bet it may be higher. He may voluntarily lower, lower it a little bit so he can get some other players so they can win championships. But that is how skewed the world is. And, and listen, you can get mad about it, or you can realize it's a principle and just get in on it. Say, so I want to be the top 20% producers in my company, what, whatever that means. I want to be the, the top 20% CPAs in my organization, top 20% managers, top 20%, whatever it is, and say, Lord, help me to become one of the top producers. It's a game changer. If you will do this, it will change everything for you. It really will. Do your best, but find out the top producing activities that you do, that you're paid to do, and focus your time more on those things. Your top 20% uh, in, of inputs are giving you the reason why you even get that paycheck. Here's another one. This may sound really simple, but I want to encourage you this week to dress a little nicer at work. 
Some of you right now are like, that's just ridiculous. People should judge a book not by the cover, but by the contents. I totally agree with you, but they don't. It's true, isn't it? They don't. I mean, I, I agree with you. They should judge you by the character. I know, but they don't know your character. They just know when they walked up that you look sloppy. And maybe it takes a little character to get up a few minutes earlier and iron your shirt. Just saying. Well, well, you know, Pastor Bill, I'm just not that attractive a person. Listen, I understand not everyone's as attractive as your campus pastor. I understand that. <laughs> My point is this. I mean, Pastor David comes up on stage and I'm like, I want to be that good looking. I'm just not, you know, right? But the truth is this. It, it, it is the reality is it, it's not that you have to be better looking. We're not saying that. What I'm, what I'm asking you to do is present the best you. That's all we're saying. Just present the best you. You don't have to buy new clothes. Just take the clothes you have and dress nicer with them. Just, just say, I'm going to dress a little nicer. Just dress a little bit above everyone in your, in your organization. If you'll do that, just a little bit nicer than everyone else, see if it doesn't impact how they treat you. It will. And you know what else? Smile. Act like you're happy to be there. I said act if you have to. <laughs> Make sense? Act like you're happy to be If you will do this, this is a game-changing move for you. It really is. Put a smile on your face. Dress a little nicer. You know, act like you're happy to be nicer to people. Here's another thing. Find extra things to do and do, the, do them without being asked. Just find some extra things to do around the office and start doing Do your job first. Don't, don't leave your job behind. No, do your job. But while you're doing that, if the, if the area you, you work in is a little sloppy, why don't you clean it up? Don't wait for the custodial team to come through and do that. You clean it up yourself. You know, don't, don't, don't wait for someone else to solve a problem. Just go solve it. With, and, and don't ask to be paid for it. If you'll begin to do more than you're asked, eventually you'll get paid more than you're being paid. But you just got to start doing that. And not just once or twice, but it's a season of doing this. It needs to become a new character quality of how you operate. People need to know, you know what? Wherever this person goes, everything just gets better. That's what people should say about you in the office. When they say, hey, we need, some, we need to figure out who's, who's going to be on this project. You say, I don't know who's going to be in the project, but Smith needs to be on it because that girl, she gets it done. It should just be automatic that you're listed, you're, you're enlisted, you're signed up. Why? Because we know you're a get-it-done person. And so people need to be thinking about you that way. And here's a big one. This is going to be a little painful, but I want to encourage you to do this. Make a clean break from people in your organization that you know are in the bottom half. That may sound really horrible. You're like, I can't believe you're asking me to, to defriend someone. Well, I didn't so go defriend them on Facebook. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting you should now go, we can't hang out anymore because you're kind of a loser. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Do not say that to someone, okay? What I am saying is this, though. You may be guessing, because you probably don't know what people earn in your company. That's probably good, because there'd be riots if everyone knew, right? But here's the truth. You can probably figure out pretty fast the totem pole in your organization and figure out who's in the upper echelon, and I want to hang out with them. Why? Because you're going to pick up on their habits. You pick up on their habits, you eventually, and you do what they do, you eventually have what they have. So be very careful when you go to that break room and those people sitting around a little longer than most people talking and complaining, you don't want to hang out with that crowd because you will eventually be associated with them in people's minds in your company. You want to be hanging out with people who are getting it done. Even if they're new, that's okay, just connect them. You may say, Pastor, I'm so far down the totem pole, that's not even an option for me. I'm in the mail room. I wish you were in the mail room. Do you know how connected you are? You know everyone's name in the whole place. I tell young people this all the time when they get their first job, get in the organization and spread out relationally. Connect to everyone. Just meet everyone that you can meet and say, how can I help you? What's your name? Oh, I'm so-and-so. I work in the mailroom. Oh, nice to meet you, kid. You know, it's great. And, and, just, and, just, and when you get a moment with someone who's really kicking butt, taking names, someone who's got the corner office, the nice glass door, ask them, what'd you do to get here? 
How'd you get this position? Like, what? Tell, tell me how you started. And hear their story. And take some notes. And learn. This is what they did. And you'll find out most of the people in the corner office started in the mailroom too. They started where you are. Every one of us starts at some point with a lack of knowledge and experience. And you have to raise up over time. And so learn from those other people. Number three, go to your old job as a new person. Go to your old job as a new person. Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I make all things new. Those are the words of Jesus. Isn't that great? You know he wants to renew you at work? He really does. Psalms 23.3 says, renew, He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I know a guy, my wife and I and our kids, we go eat at this restaurant. Uh, this is a year, years ago. We walked in, and this waitress came up to me, and she said, Oh, my gosh, there's a cook that loves you. You're Pastor Bill, right? I said, Yeah. She said, oh, this guy, he's always talking about your sermons. He just loves you. I said, oh, I'd love to meet him. And so he came out to meet me. Came, shook my hand. He was all sweaty, food all over him. I'm not lying. Why? Because he's a cook. I mean, that's what you do. You're back there cooking away. You know, and it was gross. It's just he's cooking. It's no big deal. I met him. He's a real nice guy. He was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so honored. I was like, I'm honored that you're even honored. Thank you. You know, we just talked for a minute. I said, sit down. Let's talk. Tell him about yourself. We just talked for maybe four or five minutes there. He got up. He's like, just so nice to meet you. I was like, good to meet you too. We come back a couple months later. Now, he's waiting tables. Pastor Bill, would you sit in my area? I'd love to. Talk with him. We just talked for a few minutes. A month or two later, I come back. Guess what? Now, he's overseeing the waiters in that whole area. I was like, look at you, man. He's like, where would you like to be seated? I was like, what? You were a waiter? I mean, you're a cook now, a waiter now. You're... And so, the next thing you know, about a, a year later, he's managing a whole shift of the restaurant. It took him about a year. It's... It's not where you start. It's where you finish. And so I want to challenge you this week to go to work thinking like you're on the fast track to success in your company. You may say, well, there is no track. Yes, there is. It's you. It's how you act. It's how you respond. It's your attitude. It's the speed at which you work. It's your focus. If you will do those things and act like you're on the fast track, you will become on the fast track. And even if you say, no one notices me, I work hard, I'm always doing this. No, no, someone will notice if you work harder than you've ever worked. You know who's going to notice? The Lord is going to notice. And He will reward you. He always rewards you. God is a fair God. He is a God of justice. And even if you feel like you're not being treated fair, He will make sure that He evens the score. He will notice the work that you do. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we take a moment to pray today, I want to encourage you today to do your best. Go to your old job as a new person. You don't need a new job. We need a new you. Your prayer today could be, God, renew me. Help me to go to my old job new, different, thinking about what I can become, what I can do, how I can help this place, how I can make an impact, make a difference. If you'll walk in serving. Jesus, when he showed up, he, he said, Son of man, the Son of God didn't come to serve, but to, to, to be served, but to serve. He's, I came to serve you. Jesus put a towel over his arm. He served us. We need to follow his example. Emulate Christ. Don't make it about you. Make it about others. Serving others. Making an impact. Making a difference. If you'll begin to do that, say, God, help me to add value wherever I go. Help me to make everyone else around me successful. If you'll do that, you'll virtually guarantee your own success. Make, your, make that your prayer. God, help me, Lord, to quit thinking the wrong thoughts about my job, about my boss, about my coworkers. Lord, help me to walk in realizing that I have every opportunity 
than everyone else has in this great country. Lord, thank you, God, that not only do I have all the opportunity, but I've got some secret sauce at church. I get to learn all this new knowledge and go home and apply it. Then I got the secret sauce, the ultimate secret sauce. I got the Holy Spirit in me, empowering me to do more. Run with that. Receive that now. We never close our services without giving someone an opportunity to receive Christ. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, well, I need to turn over a new leaf in my life. Actually, I, I actually suggest instead of turning over a new leaf, you get a new life, a new life in Christ. God sent his son for you to die on the cross for you. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be God's son. He died on the cross. Then he rose again from the grave. No one else has ever done that. That's the difference between Christianity and all other world religions is that our Savior died and rose again. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive what Christ has done for you. He paid the price for your sins and for mine, the things that keep us out of heaven. Heaven's a place of perfection. You've got to be perfect to get in, or you've got to know someone who's perfect. There's only one, Jesus. He paid the price for your, imperfection, for your imperfections, and he rose again from the grave. All he asks you to do is to receive him. Turn from your own life, turn from your own sins, and say, I receive you in my life. Forgive me my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Would you pray this prayer with us? We're going to pray this across all of our campuses right now. You can pray this prayer out loud with us. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sins, and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place in my life. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.